0: When you start working for someone, there's a base respect you have for one another. That's supposed to get you through parts of work when you'd be at each other's throats. With Leo Heinrich, his new employers have mistaken his patience for being a willing target. Now that respect is eroding away on both sides, and with Justine and Dieter heading out to celebrate their Amazon Google MySpace Angel Fire wannabe, this episode leaves Leo singing the Brown Nose Blues. Welcome to the Network That Never Was, Chapter 7. I was glad to be rid of that dumb photo project, but my relief was fleeting. Before I knew it, Justine was sending me to a little-used shed out back of the antique store with a long list of magazines. After Dieter and I cleared out a few cages and broken chairs from the front of the shed, my vision adjusted enough to make out dozens of bulky white shapes. The smell of mold was inescapable. We got four or five cases of magazines out at a time. It was all Dieter could handle, and the boxes were hernia-bait when I carried them by myself. The back office was getting more cramped, but to my credit, a good bit more relaxed-looking. I'd scored a small victory getting a pine blanket permanently over the window by the immovable junker and all the glare that came off it at noon right into my computer screen. Justine gave me strict instructions, what other kind, for setting up in her precious office space. There is now only a one-foot pathway to the computer. After ball-busting ground rules, she outlined the title selection and listing processes. She made it clear that every single character in the title was to be used, and went over six ironclad but contradictory practices she infallibly used. I knew we'd be at odds soon. Justine finished with a grating, Okay! I fought the urge to pummel her with her heavy bric-a-brac smiled the smile of a trapped animal, and nodded her away from me. That horrid camera was still the only way to get photos onto eBay. A few days later, she came back and butted heads with me over poor picture quality. I had to keep my voice from rising while Dieter provided her a solid technical defense. In an abrupt change-up, she fussed and tutted, gobbled and groaned over my listing titles. She dropped off 250 at the end of her harangue and informed me the duo would be taking off, on a vacation, to the Bahamas soon. She would leave off next week's pay once I was done listing five boxes of magazines, and I should also ensure I'd be around to drop off and pick up my favorite people in Newburyport. Her word choice, not mine. Absolutely, I smiled, too widely. The last few months I'd been a spook, wandering this place. Aside from borrowing the van to bring laundry to Exeter and the occasional trip to Dunkin' Donuts, I was trapped by uncertainty and depression. My aging parents had made the trip from South Berwick a few times, but we always stayed in the apartment that Justine and Dieter had given me to use and never went anywhere fun. My father drove most of the time at first with my mother, but eventually he moved on to his own project, and my mother would stop by all alone. She'd begun to worry me, She'd get sleepy the moment she'd step out of the car and ask to sleep up in the sunroom. The last few times it wasn't a problem, but lately Justine had been ramping up her plan to feature one unique antique for each website and taking it out on my living space. We were up to 300 antiques by now, and the sunroom and the edge of the kitchen were filling up. Nothing cost as much as that $700 painting of a rabbit for art wowsers, but there were some insane purchases. A $165 dry compass, an antique quilt, pewterware, traditional cloth art, some collection of seashells that depressed me in the scope of its biological harvest. On this visit, my mother stumbled over the antique quilt, and a thread or two tore. I cringed, then covered her with it as she drifted into sleep. After her nap, she told me that she'd been saving up money and handed me an envelope. If I wanted a car, I could get one with this but if these cuckoo birds, as she took to calling Justine and Dieter, antagonized me, I could do whatever I wanted with it. The sun sank into an early March retreat. Mom knew she should be going and drove off minutes after giving me the envelope. $4,100 bills. I was sure something would happen to it. The store might burn down with me above it, or somebody might do a little B&E. Dieter might get even more irrational with his bathtub demands and demand rent. Who knew? I dreamed of getting my stuff together, telling Justine that I'd seen very little coding, that it was time to move on. I still thought it was mostly my fault that things weren't going so well. Maybe Evers would come back, Justine seemed to trust him a lot more with tech than she trusted me. By Saturday, my magazine listings reached an end and I was starting to get on the same page with her. The couple packed up for the airport shuttle that afternoon. On Sunday at midnight PST, about 50 listings would expire hopefully with oodles of money for each one, according to Justine, when rich California people were allegedly outbidding each other at closing auctions as some perverse online weekend sport. That gave me time on Monday to do a little bit of shipping for the best ones, especially from the customers who were demanding instant shipping, or, back in those days, as close as you could get, which was priority. The couple packed up for the airport shuttle that afternoon, and I drove them. Justine was animated. Dieter polite, but hiding something festering. What cost had he paid to get everything packed the way she wanted? She hugged me after I got their luggage out of the car. I kept my face from burying in her fat, pillow-like neck, mirrored Dieter in his averted gaze as he and I shook hands. I swore with relief on the way back.